I got an email from a student who's probably former students, probably about 27 years old now. And she said she heard Santa Claus was coming to town, Bruce's version, and it made her think of me. And she said, and I remember I was in your Jode class. I remember you named all your classes Bruce albums, and I was in Jode. These are kids, and they still remember the name of their class, even if they're not Bruce fans. But I will say I converted 14-year-olds to become lifelong Bruce fans. In fact, I ran into one years ago in Philly. Citizens Bank Park, I heard somebody scream my name and I was on my way to see a former student where I knew he was sitting and this other former student told me it was his first Bruce show and you want to know what show it was, the longest show on us, uh, I think it was September 7th, 2016. Yeah, I texted him after the show and said, don't think they're all like this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me tonight is a referral. I <laughs> love when someone who's been a guest says, hey, I know someone you could talk to. So uh, I have joining me today from the East Coast, uh, Joni Jean Cravello. Is that, that is perfect. Oh, spot on. Yes. So, uh, Joni, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for hosting it. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little about yourself. What's your elevator pitch? <laughs> my elevator pitch is uh, sixth floor, please, because it's my favorite number. Uh, I grew up in a small town in central Jersey, uh, Middlesex Borough. It's one square mile. Um, I had 28 whole people in my grade school classes. Um, yeah, Catholic school most of my life. Uh, dad owned the bar in town. Um, youngest of three girls. None of my sisters really care that much about music. Uh, somehow I just got hooked. And then College of Massachusetts. Worked for a couple of years as a probation officer as a real youngin, which was hilarious because dealing with juveniles, and I wasn't much older than them, and led me to law school, um, which is where I met Jeff, who you have referred to. He's the one that referred me to you, and um, practiced law for a long time, but for the last 21 years, I've been an eighth grade teacher. I've had the honor of teaching young eighth graders uh, American history and civics, married, got two daughters, and uh, that's me. A uh, huge Yankees fan. I bleed Yankee blue. Oh, very hope nice. Plays, hope that plays well in Texas. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we, we have um, the, the love of Bruce supersedes all sports allegiance. Right? I actually, that actually leads me to one quick anecdote. Yeah. I was in the Yankees game. Oh, I don't know, more than 20 years ago, probably about 25 years ago. And I was in the second tier. And I yelled down to the person I was with, oh, my God, that's Bruce in the fourth row. How do you know? I said, I recognize that male pattern bald spot <laughs> anywhere. And it was definitely him. 
oh, how funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I joke about, and I have had this people tell me that like, I cannot believe I am friends with a cowboy fan. Right. <laughs> so, uh, that we, you know, so we have, um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little giants and Eagles mm. and then, uh, certainly Mets and, and Yankees and my mm -hmm. poor Texas Rangers are not doing well right now. So they had mm. a horrible season. Uh, so, uh, well, well, last season doesn't count though. So don't uh, worry about that one well, bit. Which is a perfect transition. How are you doing during, I, I've been asking all my guests, how mm. are you doing these, these strange times? Um, I find it really hard to believe that it's been nine months since yes. Governor Murphy, you know, shut us down the first time. And I will say pivoting to all remote learning, which we did for the last three months of the school year was really tough. Yeah. Um, it was very challenging from a technology perspective for the students and for me, but you know, I think we moved them forward. I think that we had to just shift the paradigm as to what our goals were. Um, so school has been, you know, it's, it's quite a challenge, but the kids make all of the effort worth it. And my colleagues are outstanding and my administrators are terrific. Uh, as far as on a personal level, um, you know, spent a lot of time at the beach this summer. It was a lot more crowded at the Jersey shore with people not traveling. Mm -hmm. And I have kept only people I've kept in my bubble besides my husband or my daughters, Emma and Anna. Um, and the boyfriends with whom they reside. And thank God for that, because I would have lost my mind if I, I did in the beginning when I stayed away from my children. And you, you, having, you being a dad, I'm sure you understand I, how I that is for people. I totally do, Joni. Um, last summer, not like 2019, my son was supposed to get married. And about mm. four or five weeks before the wedding, they mm. decided that maybe this was a bad thing. And so that was a very tough breakup. And so he moved home because they had moved, they were living together. And mm -hmm. about, you know, December, January, he started thinking, okay, you know, I've been here six, seven months. It's probably time to start getting a place. And so he was, he says, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take it slow. And then mm -hmm. March happened and yeah. everything shut down. And he said, I am so glad I didn't get my own place because he said, he said, I would have packed everything up and come to your house. He says, I wasn't going to sit in my apartment by myself. No. So, um, so it was awkward because um, my wife is retired. And mm -hmm. so I spent uh, half middle of March to almost the middle of May um, working from home. And so I was in the living room. My son was in the computer room where I am now. And my wife's like, I'm stuck in the bedroom. Like, you know, what, what can I do? Because you guys are on, on calls. <laughs> like, what can we do? Uh, so, um, one of the things that got us through, uh, Joni was we made Trump, um, COVID update bingo cards. Okay. And, uh, like he's going to say China and, uh, you know, had a, you know, and, and like, uh, and you know, a businessman praising Trump and we, and so about like at four, we went happy hour. So we, we had, we had tasty beverages and we had our Trump, 
you know, uh, oh, things yeah. that was, that became part of our ritual, you know, doing that. So well, that, is, that, that is true. I will say that happy hour became a more frequent occurrence. Yes. Um, and I had a similar experience over the summer, uh, staying upstairs because my yeah. husband was in outside sales and was on the road all the time. Yeah. And uh, I let Chuck have the den and mm -hmm. I just try to stay away as much as I could. Yeah. Um, facilitate his business but upwards the number of days that we've been in this situation so it's 270 for we in new jersey so yeah. i i want to get to bruce in a minute yeah. but i have mm -hmm. to i remember taking civics and i i'm mm -hmm. i graduated high school in 1977 oh, so i'm good. older than dirt no. okay so no. okay no i'm sorry that was college but go ahead <laughs> okay see all right so I remember my freshman or sophomore year taking civics and, and learning a lot about, you know, the th three parts of the government and a lot of things that it worked through. And, and I remember, you know, we had our PE coach was the, the civics teacher, but um, you know, he talked a lot about, I, I, I remember sticking to this that, you know, sometimes he was talking about, even though this, senator had a lot of um seniority in louisiana you know he said i think sometimes it's good to even though you lose the seniority to get fresh blood representing your state and i remember this and Joni, do you do you feel like and i'm, I'm putting you on the spot do you feel like not enough enough school systems focus on civics the way they should i definitely feel that way. For a period of time, I was on the New Jersey, um, the State Commission for Social Studies, and with other social studies and U.S. history educators. And I thought that I did a lot, especially as an attorney, bringing that into the classroom right. and, uh, you know, inspired me to do more. Civics education, as you know, has been under attack with this current administration. Yes. Um, real confusion as to what patriotism really means. Right. And I have strived for the last two decades to get my students to be independent thinkers because it's very common to be in lockstep with you right. know, your parents. Um, and that's fine because your parents give you guidance and values and they're right about almost everything, but just to understand why and not just be in lockstep. And it's like, oh, that's why my mom says so-and-so is a good right. legislator. And just understanding the process. As an educator, you don't, of course, ever give an assignment without ex explaining why a student is doing something. It's not the days of growth yes. when I was Exactly. There. Yeah, and to create lifelong learners and critical thinkers. You know, it's, it's interesting. One of the best teaching tools, I have two really tremendous teaching tools, and they'd be surprising. I think to most people. One is a big colorful map of the US that a former administrator sent over to me when I admired it on his office mm -hmm. wall years ago. And I refer to it constantly when you're talking. Yeah. Because let's face it, kids don't know geography that well. And I still get a little confused when I get to past the Midwest. Um, but the other is I have cardboard cutouts of the, well, now 45 presidents. And, um, the last president 
you know, it was after I purchased it. So that was just something a student actually printed Donald Trump and put it up there. Uh-huh. And I find the kids staring at it as we're talking about something else. And I always pause. I want to know, what are you looking at? What questions do you have? They're yeah. fascinated by presidential history. And I was thinking today about, there are a lot of bad things that are going on right now, the litigation that we were talking about, yeah. for example, um, and what's being proselytized. But on the other hand, it's making my students aware of the Electoral College, even much more than just two words put together. And even though they don't understand it as well as adults do, or people that are political junkies like I am, um, mm. it has much more meaning and resonates with them. So it's, it's very interesting. So yeah, yeah. Civics, it's a long-winded way to say yes. Civics no, no, I, I appreciate um, the answer. You know, uh, it's as relevant to creating good citizens who yes. will participate. If there's anything that came out of this election, in addition to the result, it's yeah. 150 million people plus yeah. that voted. That's wonderful and heartwarming to people who care about our nation. All right. So you've already mentioned that your two siblings were not Mm -hmm. into music very much. Um, But how about your mom and dad? Were were they big music fans growing up? My dad, my dad, it was a huge big band fan, especially Glenn Miller. I remember was one of his favorites and, you know, Sinatra, of course, and Italian. Um, but, uh, music was a big thing. It was dad's music, you know, this mm-hmm. is before FM radio and my father passed away mm, like seven years ago, six years ago. He had the best memory and the best mind of anybody I've ever met. And even in his last few days, there's nothing that ever went in that wasn't still there. It's just truly amazing. So he could name every artist, their label you know, and um, the the hits and who the singers were in the big band. And I'm not a big band fan, so it's not that, um, you know, that carried on. But I will say that that was the influence of music. I don't know. I think that I was born at a time, obviously, Uh the Beatles when I was in elementary school. Sure. I, I remember, the you know, Ed Sullivan, whatever. I was after Elvis, but I remember the Beatles. Um, and we do have to acknowledge the anniversary yesterday of uh, 40 years of John Lennon passing. My oldest sister received a gift at her grade school graduation, I guess it would have been. Yeah. And so I was probably in third grade. And it was a AM radio that was shaped like the globe. It was a globe. And at the top was an airplane. And you turn that to tune it. And I would sneak into her room and take it from under her bed and listen to WABC in New York. And uh, WABC at Christmas week, between Christmas and New Year's, would do a top 100 countdown. So, you know, pop music, again, before FM radio. And I would write them down on this leaf paper. And then you do send your self-addressed stamped envelope in. And they would send you the pre-printed list and and counting down the top 10 songs of the year was such a big deal. I think that that really had, the fact that music was in my house um, was one thing, but, you know, another thing I think really is that the time I was born with the British invasion and the advent of rock and roll, um, you know, emanating from, um, you know, R&B. I did yeah. used to teach an enrichment class at school in the history of rock and roll. And 
we call them golf shots of, te of teaching. And one of the most memorable golf shots is when a student would say, well, this was back in the CD era, so again, it's ancient history, um, that they would ask for a Bob Dylan compilation, because I used to do a segment with songs that tell a story, like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, um, Hurricane was the reason people, the boys especially loved Bob Dylan, or playing Alice's Restaurant right before Thanksgiving, and the kids saying, oh, my dad and I listened to Alice's Restaurant. That's, um, I don't know why that mattered to me. Maybe civic should have mattered more. No, I, I think it does. Uh, and you know, I name all of my classes after, after Blue's albums. In fact, just last night, I got an email from a student who's yeah. probably, former student, probably about 27 years old now, and she said she heard Santa Claus is coming to town, Bruce's version, and it made her think of me. And she said, and I remember I was in your Jode class. That I remember you named all your classes Bruce albums, and I was in Jode. Oh, and I love fun. it. I run into kids, and they still remember the name of their class, even if they're not Bruce fans. But I will say I converted 14-year-olds to become lifelong Bruce fans. In fact, I ran into one years ago in Philly mm -hmm. at Citizens Bank Park. I heard somebody scream my name and I was on my way to see a former student where I knew he was sitting and this other former student told me it was his first Bruce show and you want to know what show it was, The Longest Show. Oh, nice. Soil. Yep. On a, uh, I think it was September 7th, 2016. Yeah. That, that is was his awesome. First show. I texted him after the show and said, don't think they're all like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know i i as i said i'm a, I'm a few years younger than you uh -huh. um so i i had the am radio on all the time and i do remember that during like labor day weekend uh the top counting down the top uh -huh. hits or like they would have the story of elvis like, you know, this over a holiday weekend and, you know, they would do these things. Um, so that's amazing. As, as you, as you started going into high school, you know, did your music start changing your taste? Yeah. And I, mean, when, I, will, yeah. I will own up to owning Deep Purple albums. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. You know, yes. And things got a little harder, but on the other hand, I would put Bonnie Raitt on the turntable too. Yes. Oh, and I also would I'll cop to uh, Barbara Streisand albums. You know, I sure. love a great strong voice. Um, but yeah, I would say it morphed a bit. Okay. Led Zeppelin was really big back then, and it's yeah. not. I was a huge fan. Yeah. You know, interestingly, I was one of the you know Beatles versus Stones when I was mm -hmm. growing up, and I definitely yeah. was Beatles and. While I recognize the prowess of the Stones, um, never really latched onto them. That's interesting. Um, I, I just I just did this week as we're recording this, as you mentioned, it's uh, December 9th. Um, mm -hmm. This will come out later, probably toward the mm -hmm. end of the month or first part of January. But um, I released, I talked to a couple of people about John Lennon's death and I mm -hmm. shared the story with both of them. Um, because I was raised in a very country music home mm. um my cousins in ohio could not believe that i could not name all four beatles like like in the late 60s i mm. you know I, I couldn't i i just um now i could I, I could i could 
I could sing Loretta Lynn. I could sing Merle Haggard. I could sing <laughs> Mel Tillis, uh, you know, Hank Williams. I knew all of them, uh, you know, and so it was very different to me. How did you discover Bruce? Uh, Bruce, Born to Run was released when I was in college. And I was a subscriber to Rolling Stone, you know, since high school. So you know about him from reading about him. You read the reviews. Um, and I would say that I probably got hooked with Born to Run and not the first two albums. I did it backwards, like I think a lot of people probably do. And I had one roommate in college who was really into um, Bruce as well and also into music. And she had a way of kicking the desk that the turntable sat on to make the stylist go back to the beginning of Born to Run. And we'd listen to it a hundred straight times. She would just kick the side of the desk when the song was over. That is a talent. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, Pam was, uh, she had a lot of talents and that was one of them. And Bruce did a couple of shows at the Music Hall in Boston after, mm -hmm. around that time. Uh, slept in line, didn't get tickets, understood then about the mad rush that would be torment and joy in my future. Yes. Um, you know, working three phones, making my mother, you know, staff her phone. Everybody had all my credit card, you know, and all that stuff. But anyway, um, so that was disappointment, but it wasn't in a financial position to pay a scalper. Right. So that's when I met Bruce. And I remember it's kind of embarrassing that I actually snottily said this, but I remember somebody in college asking me, um, like, who's Bruce Springsteen? And I remember my exact words were, you never heard of Bruce Springsteen? He's the next Bob Dylan. And I am so embarrassed I said that. <laughs> but I remember it. I remember saying it, even if it was 45 years ago. Well, I have one better than you, Joni. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. It is a <laughs> suburb of Lake Charles, and Lake if okay. Louisiana is a heel, you know, a boot, right. and Lake Charles is in the heel. And I was in a barber shop waiting mm -hmm. to get my hair cut, and I do not remember if it was Time or Newsweek, but uh -huh. one of the magazines. And so, yeah. Yep. And so, and I went, who's this? How can that be the greatest rock star? Have they never heard of Elton John? Have they never heard of Barry Manilow? Have you, because, you know, I was an AM radio kid. Right. Right? Absolutely. Like, Bruce is not AM radio. Yeah, I'd never heard of this guy. Mm -hmm. And like, pff, what do you mean? And so in a better world, the story would have been, oh, I need to find out what this guy is. I was like, this obviously, this writer doesn't know anything. Yes, yes, exactly. What a great story. Do you, can you <laughs> articulate why his music spoke to you? And I know that's a hard okay. thing to do. Well, you know what? Um, what I have found very, maybe it's not unique to Bruce, but a shared Bruce experience is that you think your connection with his music is unique to you. And then you encounter other people, you know, as a longtime subscriber of Backstreet's Magazine and, yeah. and um, reading letters to Charles Cross in that magazine and 
wait a minute, I've said that. Wait a minute, that's how I feel, you know. So I think that the fact that it resonated for me, I, I learned was a very shared experience. One thing that Bruce has done for all of us, so that's why I won't make this about an I because it's really a we, um, is that you don't feel alone. Yeah. Even when you are, it makes, because of Bruce, we're never alone. Um, his words, and you know, we didn't grow up the same exact way, even though we didn't grow up far apart in New Jersey. His remarks in the Broadway show. Yeah. Um, in addition to his lyrics, you know, it was the only thing I can equate it with that I felt the same way is I don't know if you've ever um, streamed Ricky Gervais's Afterlife BBC series. Mm -hmm. And other people say the same thing on Twitter. You yeah. follow Ricky Gervais on Twitter that um, he gets the human experience in ways that nobody else does. Right. That's exactly what grief looks like. That's yeah. exactly what grief sounds like. Yes. And Bruce, you can say the same thing. And even if I don't have Bruce's experience, when he's talking about that late night drive or the closed factory or you get it, you visualize it, you somehow connect it with your own personal experience. And I've said, and I know other people have said this, there are times that Bruce saved my life figuratively. Yeah. Well, a couple things to bring up, right, Joni, is mm -hmm. one, five years ago when I started doing this podcast, I just wanted to, I, I had, Lynette Carolla had done a few episodes where she talked to friends of her and Adam Carolla that were Bruce Springsteen fans and she's a massive fan. And so they, they fanboyed stories about it. And I was, I wish there was more. So, you know, as I've said many times in the spirit of lighting a candle instead of cursing the darkness, well, I'll just do it myself. What I didn't realize is I was building, I was tapping into a community that I didn't know existed. That you didn't know you belonged to. That's right. And, mm -hmm. and it is amazing. I, I've done now over 600 episodes, um, probably four or 500 interviews. And every story is unique, but there are so many tangents and similarities in the story mm -hmm. that yeah. it is, that there is a universal. Um, and yeah. and there is that sense of community that when you're sitting there listening to the music and sharing it and um, the lyrics speak to you, you know, when you go see Blinded by the Light, the film, right? You're right. like, I've been that kid. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and Linda said, yes, and you were that kid obnoxious in your fandom so you learn to bring it back. And I'm like, yes, I will embrace that. Yes, I have been that kind of fanatic, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think that's beautiful said. Well, well, well said at all. Um, okay. you, you've mentioned already a couple shows. So I preface uh -huh. this. Um, I do not believe the amount of times you've seen Bruce is a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I think it depends on your age, your economic situation, where you live. There right. are people that have been on the show that have seen him twice or never that are right. massive fans. And I've had yeah. people that have seen him hundreds of times. But for yeah. the record, do you know how many times you've seen him? Yeah, 119. Okay. 
And I've kept it on my board for 21 years at school. And I still, <laughs> when I run into former students, they'll say, how many shows, you know, what's the number on the board? And I would do that in Mariana Rivera Saves. Uh, and uh, and they, they, they sometimes think that the 652 was Bruce shows. I said, I wish, no, that saves. Um, and, and they remember, oh, when I was in eighth grade, the number was 54. Like, oh, that was quite a few tours ago. Yeah, and you're right. I've had the luxury of, uh, you did 15 shows at the Meadowlands. I'd go to 11 shows. Right. And I have the luxury of, you know, living in New Jersey where people have an extra ticket, they think of me. Right. Yeah, so that's part of the reason. I used to always call Bruce my oceanfront home at the beach that I oh. could have bought if I didn't spend yes. so much tickets <laughs> and with everyone. My first show was okay. the River Tour. Okay. Um, Bruce, as you know, opened uh, what was then called the Brendan Byrne Arena at the Meadowlands in North Jersey, July 2nd, 81. And in those days, you sent your check into you know in an envelope and you either got the thin check the thin envelope or the or the fat envelope back and i got the thin one they returned my checks i didn't get tickets so a friend of a friend had an extra seat in philly and on my first show was august day of 81 the river tour at the spectrum where bruce as you know did his birthday show um his yeah so uh, 99 yeah so over the years are there and I know this is hard to do. Are there shows that have stood out? Are oh, there stories absolutely. you want to share with me about? I've got a, you know, yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely have a few. From that first show, the seminal moment was point blank with the lyric, the lights go out and the lights went out. And then there was just a blue spotlight on Bruce and it was chilling. I just got chills telling you it. That chilling feeling and that sense of community we were talking about that you get. Um, you know, that has lasted now for 40 years. Uh, I've had some, I told you that I was at the 2016 longest show. And I will say it kind of, it was really hot in Philly that night. And I ruined it for myself for the last half hour because I kept looking at my watch. I knew, you know how you kind of know the set list. Um, more so in more recent years than in old years. And I knew the Helsinki record. And I kept saying, he can do this. He can do, Bruce, keep talking, keep jamming, keep talking. You can do this. And I let myself get disappointed that it ended at 4.03. <laughs> As opposed to enjoying every stinking click, you know, tick of the clock. So um, what's funny, but, Joni, is but, um, I was not aware. You know, there are things that you are, there are debates and, and discussions, right? Um, yeah. And I was, I was talking to someone and they're like, um, well, it did, he didn't break four hours. It was three hours, 57 minutes. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's four to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I am the type that when I'm back, when I balanced my checkbook, if it got within five or $6, that's, that's good. So We're nice. moving on. Um, and they started explaining that, well, when do you hit time? Do you when the first band member comes on? When Bruce comes on, you know, is it is it the first time he says hello? You know, and and I'm like, okay, you guys are really overthinking this. And then someone explained to me that because 
radio shows back in the day when he did it, you oh. it would start when you first heard his voice, right? Yeah. Um, so um, I had the same thing sometimes because I had heard my first show wasn't until 2002 and I heard these legendary hours, you know, shows. And I'm like, that was not quite three hours, you know? <laughs> and instead of going, holy moly, yeah, every other show's 90 minutes, you know, including yeah. Encore. But I was yeah. like, wow, he only did three hours. So I, I yeah. feel a little bit of your pain. Yeah, exactly. Um, other shows that stood out, you know, Jeff, who you, um, spoke with, and I went to the first show of the outdoor uh, part portion of the Born in the USA tour. It was August 2nd, 85. It was at RFK in Washington, and Jeff had a connection, somebody knew that worked at Ticketmaster, and we ended up at the second row. In fact, Ron Kovic was in front of us, so that was that was cool because he was born in the USA. That's very cool, yeah. Um, and Jeff and I were kind of bratty at the end because he sent us home to Bobby Jean and Jeff and I looked at each other and said, we're not going home to Bobby Jean. And they were folding the chairs around us and we were still upset, which is so stupid. Um, but, you know, we drove four, I drove four hours down to D.C. and four hours back. Mm -hmm. But Jeff labeled many years ago, happy tired. You go right to work. I was practicing yes. law at the time and who the heck cared. Um, the shows that I was able to take my daughters. Um, Emma has been to a couple of shows because she's five years older than her sister, Anna, mm -hmm. but uh, being able to take the two of them into Philly a couple of years ago and be able to share that with your children, as you can appreciate, yes. is outstanding. Emma was a little girl and she memorized every word on the Greatest Hits album. I'd pick her up from preschool and we'd punch our fists through the T-top. Not really, it was a summer. Yes. Um, other shows that were, well, the Christmas shows, mm -hmm. you know, it, one was on my birthday in 03 in Asbury Park and it snowed and I drove through eight, I think we got eight inches of snow and it's about an hour and a half from where I live to get to Asbury Park at Convention Hall. And then my friend Brian and I were at Harry's Roadhouse the following year. And um, man, that show was magical. It was warm going into the show. We got up to the amps. Um, you know, it's Christmas, the energy, you're in this tiny, tiny bar. Yeah. And when they opened the doors and when we left and you're all sweaty, it was snowing. It was oh. like a Hallmark movie. Yes. The shows were amazing. And the candy canes, I think I still have a couple of them that they throw at you. So the Christmas shows, I was very blessed because that only took place around here. Right. And to be able to attend those, that's really special too. Um you remember, I think it was uh, 2012 when they would do the ticket draw? Yes. Um, right. Well, I went with my friend Brian, and the number that they drew was 11 before our number. So wow. we got up against the rail. And, you know, just again, that community. I remember these college kids, these kids that were a third of my age, mm -hmm. and they knew every lyric and every story. And it's, it's just so wonderful. So I think those are probably what stands out more than anything. And the Broadway show, of course. I, mean, I was going to ask you, did you get a chance to go to Broadway? Yeah, I got, uh, it was worth every penny of the $400 each tickets that my husband Chuck and I went to. And um, I will say that he's a fan. He's not a, as big a fan as me. He'd admit that. Um, 
and looked over a couple of times and we both had tears streaming down our cheeks. It was a religious experience, not a concert. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I still have not been able, uh, my wife, um, is not a fan. She is a casual fan at all. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, she watched him on the, um, Tony's where they he did a little bit of my hometown right and she goes well now I kind of sad I didn't go with you and so when it came out on Netflix um she she watched the first 30 minutes and he he got to the point talking about his dad and all this and Linda said this is too depressing. I can't watch anymore. And what's funny is like five minutes later, he says, okay, I'm going to get you off suicide watch. Let's talk about my mom. And I haven't convinced her yet to like, okay, go back and watch this again. Cause I know she would like it once she got in there. Um, she loved letter to you. She loved the film. She loved the CD. She wrecking balls, her favorite CD uh, because we listened to that a lot and we drove up to Cleveland. That was her second show to see the Wrecking Ball tour. And so she loves that album. Um, but she she was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Letter to You with you. I'll watch the documentary. Sure. And she's like, I really like this. You know, she's got a little crush on Max. <laughs> Joni and I were having so much fun that we kept on talking So I'm dividing this episode into two parts. Uh, Come back on Thursday for the second half, where we talk a few more Bruce shows and uh, her answer to the Mary question. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.SetLustingBruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.